joining us from the Jordanian capital, Amman, is UNRWA spokesperson Damara Rifai. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. Uh, Secretary General Antonio Guterres said uh, that there's a need to clarify the conditions and limit the restrictions for aid to start to come, in, come into Gaza. Uh, what's stopping the trucks from rolling in? Thank you, Azad. We do not quite know what is stopping the trucks, but what we know is that exactly like the UN Secretary General, other principles of the UN, including UNRWA Commissioner General and the Emergency Relief Coordinator, everyone is calling for an immediate, immediate humanitarian ceasefire and an unimpeded and continuous and safe humanitarian access for humanitarian convoys. What we are witnessing is intense negotiations about the number of trucks, the day of the opening. What is needed is a continuous flow of aid. This is not about a one-off, sending 20 trucks and then nothing. This is really a call for a continuous and safe humanitarian access with security conditions that allow my colleagues in Gaza to do what they need to do, which is check in on the internet on, on the internally displaced people, run the health centers, and distribute water and food. All right. So now let's say that the truck the trucks start rolling in, and now you have some aid at least to 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 be able to distribute to people. Um, how are you going to do that without any humanitarian pauses? And are you going to be able to reach all parts of Gaza? We cannot work without security guarantees. And this is why we've been calling for a humanitarian ceasefire. We need to be able to send our trucks and send our people and know that they're not going to get killed or shot or taken in between. So we will be able to work because most of my UNRWA colleagues are themselves Gazans. I have 13,000 colleagues who are themselves from Gaza, most of them are taking refuge in UNRWA shelters and living with the rest of the displaced people. My colleagues, sadly, have a lot of experience in responding uh, to humanitarian needs uh, during conflict, so they will be able to work. We will need to get organized given the large scale of destruction, but we are also calling on being able to work across Gaza and not just in the South. We have to go to people where they are. So you mentioned your 13,000 colleagues who are in Gaza, who are obviously majority of them are Gazans themselves. Uh, how are their conditions? What are they telling you about their own conditions and their families? They are telling us what we're hearing from other civilians. Everybody is shocked at the intensity of this conflict, most of my colleagues are displaced in UNRWA schools themselves. These UNRWA schools are very, very overcrowded. There's no privacy. There is uh, there, there is one toilet for several thousand people. There's no access to basic uh, necessities, commodities. Um, everyone is living on one liter of drinking water or less per day. So the conditions are very, very dire for everyone, including my colleagues. And I want to remind that UNRWA has already lost 16 of its staff in the last 12 days. I have lost 16 colleagues from UNRWA. 
Um, so obviously this is very sad news that uh, we, we have, our, our previous numbers showed 15 and now you're telling us that there are 16, at least 16 staff members who, who have lost their lives tragically. Um, with their current conditions, these 13,000 people on the ground, do you have even the logistical capacity to continue delivering aid? Once the trucks start coming in, we're going to have to assess the capacity in our warehouses and how many people are needed to do what. So right now we're in planning mode until we see what's going to go in. As a reminder, we do have the largest um, infrastructure in Gaza as UNRWA between our schools, our, our health centers, our warehouses, our food distribution centers. So in terms of our stretch across the strip, we are stretched, we can, we can handle, but it's, it's going to need scaling up precisely because most of my colleagues are not living normal conditions themselves. They're displaced and they're in shelters. Okay. Um, uh, speaking of displacement and shelters, yesterday we received news that uh, an Onurwa school was um, hit or there was a strike outside of the school. Can you tell me a little bit about the conditions in those uh, facilities and other Onurwa facilities? In fact, 33 of our premises or installations have been damaged so far by strikes by the Israeli Defense Forces. So we have sustained a lot of damage on top of the human losses. The conditions inside the shelters, again, overcrowding and mostly a lot of fear and despair and a state of shock that my colleagues report by people who thought they were seeking safety and security in a UN building under a blue flag. The fact that one of our schools, the one you just mentioned, sustained damage while there were people inside it was very, very shocking to the people themselves. But surprisingly, they left the shelter and came back to it because in a way, that perception that if you're in a UN building, then you're protected or at least you're supposed to be more protected than if you're somewhere else in Gaza. But in reality... Nowhere today in Gaza is safe. Uh, Tamara, I have one last question um, on the there these reports indicating that Onur was setting up tents in southern Gaza. What can you tell us about that? I saw the pictures on social media. The pictures are from the courtyard of one of our shelters. So we have a training center, a vocational training center, which in usual times receives young people who are studying IT or mechanics or something else. We're using this building as a shelter. And this building has a huge courtyard and people have been sleeping in the wild in that courtyard. These tents are tents from our own warehouses inside our own shelter. So we are not setting up a new camp or anything. We are just trying to give people who are already in our shelter in the Khan Yunus training center a little bit of privacy and a little bit of dignity. Thank you very much, Tamara Rifai, for this interview. Thank you.